0: This is your daily real estate syndication show and I'm your host Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Brian Burke. Thanks for being on the show Brian. Thanks for having me on. We're going to talk about sourcing deals and how you've done that, how it's evolved over your career and things like that and dive in. But, you know, maybe get us started on how you found those deals and then dive into the details.
1: Yeah, this one was interesting. You know, our hit rate on marketed deals is about as close to zero as you can get. But this one actually worked out. It was interesting because two different brokers listed two adjoining properties for sale from two different sellers at roughly the same time. And it just so happened, we managed to get both of them. And, and I think, in part, it was because we leveraged one off the other and said, you know, hey, you know, we're going to be more motivated to close than any other buyer because we're also trying to buy the deal next door. And when we get the deal next door, then we could go to the other one and say, we're going to be more motivated to close than any other buyer because we have the other one next door in contract. And so that really helped us get the second one. And it wasn't the easiest battle because, of course, into the multiple final rounds and, and all that sort of stuff. And we weren't originally picked, but and we weren't the highest offer. And so we had to you know, really do some convincing that we were going to be the right ones to actually get the thing done. So a lot of work, uh, a lot of back and forth with, with the brokers and sellers, but we managed to get there.
0: Wow, so sourcing those deals, you know, obviously you had relationships with these brokers, right? But you said your own market, the properties that you see that are own market that you're purchasing, are, is like zero.
1: Yeah, our hit rate on marketed deals is is very near zero. There's a, there's a lot of competition out there for uh, acquiring multifamily assets, as you well know, and everybody's listening to this show, I'm sure, knows that it's a competitive landscape out there. And really, the one thing that gives any buyer a leg up in sourcing deals is a track record with the broker and fortunately we had track records with both of these brokers they both knew us we closed with one of them before with another one we hadn't closed with yet but of course they knew that we owned over a thousand units in the market and you know and that sort of stuff so that went a long way but normally if most of the stuff we buy is off market but every once in a while we get lucky on a marketed deal and it's not for lack of trying. I mean we're underwriting every marketed deal in the markets that we're active in. It's just we don't usually get them.
0: <laughs> okay, so I've heard different people talk about, you know, an off-market deal and and what's a real off-market deal. You know, and could you elaborate, you know, just like, you know, a broker sends a deal, he says it's off-market, but is it really off-market? You know, could you just tell us walk through that a little bit?
1: I define off-market deals in they residing in one of three different buckets. There's the off-market deal, which is one where someone wants to sell and they call every broker they know, telling them they want to sell and asking for their opinion of the property's value. All the brokers render those opinions and then immediately call every buyer on their list, trying to round up a buyer so that they can get a leg up on getting the listing by telling the seller, I've got... Two buyers that really want it. So give me the listing or I'll get you the offer beforehand, or they're trying to get in before the other broker gets the listing, right? That's off-market deal number one. There's not much difference between that and a marketed deal because everybody knows about it. There's probably been you know, 30 people on that deal uh, just as if they would put it on the market. So that's category number one. Category number two off-market deal is the one where you've got the seller that just is completely overpriced. Every broker is way too embarrassed to take it out to market at the seller's price because they know nobody's going to want to buy it at that price. So they call up their most inexperienced buyers, the ones that have been uh, hounding them and annoying them the most, to uh, buy something that no one will sell to, and they'll see if one of those will bite at this "quote unquote" you know off market great deal. And basically, they're just looking for a sucker. That's off market deal bucket number two, and In my opinion, it's probably the most common, quote-unquote, off-market deal. And it's certainly the most common one that you'll hear about from anyone that hasn't done a lot of volume. And then the third bucket of off-market deal is the one where the seller says to a broker, Hey, you know, you sold me this deal. I want you to sell it for me. I really don't want to spook my employees and have this thing sitting on the market having 20 tours you know, just get me an offer from your top buyer. And that broker will call one, two or three of their, you know, most reliable buyers and offer them the chance to buy it without it going on the market. Those are the kind of off market deals we're looking for.
0: Our guest is Darren Garman. Thanks for being on the show, Darren. Hey,
2: thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today.
0: Let's talk about how you're finding so many off-market properties, some techniques there that you're using and how you've made that happen. It seems like a foreign topic almost to a lot of people that are doing larger multifamily. It's not yeah. something that could even be done or, you know, you just focus on that relationship with the Rokers and you know, don't even talk about that. You know, don't even focus on that thing over there of contacting sellers like maybe you would focus on if you were doing single family or small multis. Get us started and maybe a
2: process and how you've been so successful. I mean, the first thing before I get into the exact process that we use and we've been real successful with is we don't abandon using brokers sure, and we don't abandon doing things on our own, like you know, being members of meetup groups or landlord groups or mastermind groups. So we still do those things. So we really have really kind of two flows of potential properties coming across our desk. You've got the using the broker, of course. And then doing some of those personal things like the landlord groups and the meetup groups and those kinds of things. But one area that most investors know about, so what I'm going to talk about is it's not a mystery here. This isn't something no one's heard of, but what most investors don't really spend enough time on is consistently contacting the owners of the apartment communities that you think you'd want to own. And so when I say that, there's probably a lot of investors that have done this maybe they've sent letters out, maybe they've even called these owners, and maybe they've even had some personal conversations with them. However, I can guarantee that 99% of the investors that are watching or listening do not do this on a consistent basis. They maybe do it once a year, maybe twice a year, maybe once every couple of years. Well, here's what we found over the years by consistently communicating with and contacting these owners, once they decide they want to sell, because here's the problem that we've got as investors. The problem is, these owners don't want to sell when we're ready, because we're basically always ready. They want to sell when they're ready. It makes me kind of grouchy just thinking about it, because <laughs> I mean, a problem. <laughs> we want to buy stuff all the time. We want the good deals all the time. But the problem is, They're ready when they're ready. So when they're ready, Whitney, I want to be one of the first people they think of when that happens. I can tell you most owners, most, not all, most owners do not want three brokers parading into their office, giving them a PowerPoint presentation on how much money they can get them if they listed the property with them for sale. They would rather, hey, I know this Darren Garman guy. He's been communicating with me now for about three years. He keeps telling me he has an interest in buying my property. Let's call him. And so what happens is they end up calling us. And as you mentioned last year, for example, you know we purchased 400 units with owners directly contacting us, bypassing brokers or any other ways of getting a deal done. Now, here's what that does. That eliminates so much competition for these properties, okay? So you know as well as I do, you know the norm nowadays is what they call call for offers. So call for offers is basically a protracted, prolonged auction process where basically the high price gets the property. Well, that's the worst way to buy property. Not only if you buy it, are you paying more than you probably should be, but if you don't, you're maybe a little bit pissed off you missed out on it. Well, a great way to even bypass that is have the owners contact you directly. And when we figured out that this was a really good formula to use, this is what we spend probably 80% of our time on is contacting and building relationships with these owners. Again, we still use brokers. We still do things on our own, but we spend a lot more time in communicating with these owners. Again. The key word here is consistently.
0: You say 80% of your time, you just mean like of the time you would be normally looking for deals or contacting brokers, you're spending 80% now of that actually being consistently reaching out to sellers of properties that you're interested
2: in. That's correct. So if you took all the time that we spent on let's just classify it and looking for deals, 80% of that time is spent on finding those apartment communities that we wanna own, and then finding out who owns those communities, and then developing a process of communicating with those owners of those communities. How do you find them? Well, the first thing that we'll do is, every state's probably a little bit different, so I'm going to be talking about what we do here in the great state of Iowa. We go ahead and we'll contact the city or the counter tax, county tax assessor. So the city or the county tax assessor We'll have the owner information and we'll find these properties by many ways, but usually we'll do an online search and figure out online and if the properties meet our criteria based on size and location. We may even do some driving. We may even do some what used to be called shoe leather work. We'll get in our cars or our vehicles and drive around and check and see if we find any communities that meet our criteria. But once we do that, go ahead and we'll contact the city or the county tax assessor. And they will have the owner's contact information. But here's a problem that many people will run into at this and It stops them. That contact information is only in the name of usually an LLC or a corporation. So the next step then is if we find that, we'll then get in touch with the secretary of state. And the secretary of state will have information on that company and that company's principles because that company will have to have registered with the secretary of state in order to do business in that state. And so we'll go to the uh, tax assessor first, usually the tax assessor's website, county tax assessor or city. We'll find out the owner's information. And if it happens to be a company, our next step then is secretary of state, which will have that contact information there 99% of the time. And then that's where we find out